It is good to be with you all on this second Sunday in Lent and on this glorious and chilly Sunday morning in South Florida. Our text for today comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians. Paul had a special relationship with the church in Philippi. As in his other letters, Paul opens his mind and his heart to the people he loved so much. We can see that his great mind was grappling with the problems of the early church. Paul's letters read more like human documents than academic exercises. They seem more like a letter from a friend to friends. In the first two chapters of this letter, we get the sense that all is calm, all is bright. But in chapter 3, Paul seems to shift to more urgent concerns. I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, through the first verse in chapter 4, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Paul is writing, Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I have a confession to make. Though this passage is a wonderful text, especially in the season of Lent, and it does urge us to press on toward the goal. At first glance, Paul's way of holding up his life as an example rubbed me the wrong way. Not only does he seem to be boasting about himself, he urges the Philippians to imitate him. Be like me, he said. Paul didn't say in chapter 3, join in imitating Christ. He said, join in imitating me. 
My initial response was, he needs to eat some humble pie. We all need it sometimes, humble pie, don't we? We may not like it, but it's good medicine every so often. We have to eat our words and and admit that we are wrong sometimes. It can be humbling, but we all need humble pie once in a while. Humble pie wasn't always a metaphor. In the 14th century, the numbles was the name given to the innards, the heart, liver, and entrails, the internal parts of animals, especially of deer. By the 15th century, the word numbles had become umbles. Umbles were used as an ingredient in pies. And the first record of umble pie in print is found in the 17th century. Umbles comes from Latin and Old French words meaning loins. Humble means of lowly rank or having a low estimate of oneself. And umble pies were known to be eaten by those in a humble situation. Thus we get humble pie. And sometimes we all need to eat it. After a few hours into my exegesis, I realized I was wrong. After everything Paul had gone through, who was I to talk trash about the missionary and divinely inspired author, calling him even arrogant? Paul actually penned this letter to his beloved Philippian congregation from prison in Rome, and he wrote the letter to thank the Philippians for their gift. One of the members of the church, Epaphroditus, had delivered the gift to Paul and was to be his messenger and servant, but he got sick. So while Paul was in prison awaiting his own death, he was thinking about his brother in Christ, who was in poor health. The letter is also filled with words of encouragement to the Philippians with an appeal for unity. Apparently, there may have been some trouble in the church. Imagine. (laughs) First, the church women were fighting and were endangering the peace. And then there were false teachers who were luring the Philippians from the truth, causing stumbling blocks for them. At the beginning of chapter 3, Paul warns them to steer clear of the barking dogs. Beware of dogs, beware of evil, don't get hooked into false teachings. Paul was thinking about his church, his beloved people. At the same time, joy is infused throughout this letter. You see, Paul was very close to this little church in Philippi. The people encouraged Paul during his imprisonment and supported him, adding to his joy, not happiness, but joy which is not dependent on one's circumstances. Paul's joy came from his relationship with God. And because of Paul's relationship with the Philippians, he was concerned about their well-being, their unity, their faithfulness, many other spiritual and practical matters. Paul wanted them not to be sad about his afflictions, but rather to keep their eyes on the goal. As Eugene Peterson explains, where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. Then Paul again expressed his single-minded focus as if to say, I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. This letter is very personal and really is a lovely letter. 
Sometimes we hear the words Paul wrote at the end of his life at funerals or memorial services. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Like athletes who prepared, trained, and won their competitions, likewise, Christ will reward those who victoriously run their race of faith to the finish line. From the second letter to Timothy, Paul seemed to be anticipating his soon demise And we know that Paul finished well. So again, another reminder that who am I to think Paul was boastful, smug, highfalutin, and too big for his own britches. Join in imitating me, Paul writes, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. Paul is not saying we need to strive to perfection, but to look to those in our midst who live according to the gospel. Furthermore, in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says to imitate me as I imitate Christ. On this second Sunday of Lent, this passage provides us with words of encouragement for the journey to the cross. Where do we turn for guidance on how to live as Christians in a time when things are going every which way in the world? Paul warned the Philippians to avoid those who want the easy way out, those who only think of their own appetites, their own whims and pleasure. There are many false gods in our society, distractions and temptations that lure us from the goal. No one that I know of is exempt from this because we are all earthly-minded at times and sometimes we need a piece of humble pie. So how is your Lenten journey going? Several of you have commented recently on the reality of death in our lives, in our congregation, and in the world. Ashes on our foreheads will do that, but when death hits close to home, things can change. Our priorities get rearranged. We can see more clearly because death becomes part of life. My dad has always said, as long as I can remember, death is a part of life, Pam. My dad, the farmer, for many years was also the keeper of a small community cemetery near where my parents live. When someone died, the family would call my dad and he would arrange for a plot in the cemetery. My dad also mowed the grass in the summers and plowed the driveway in the winters. He made sure the vases of flowers on the graves were set upright. On the day of the burial, he would oversee the digging of the grave. And he often drives through the cemetery just because. When my family visits, we do too. It goes something like this. Dad will say, want to go for a drive? We all know where we are going. So Don and I and the kids hop in Dad's truck, and we drive down the road to the cemetery, and before we know it, we find ourselves meandering through the headstones. Depending on the weather, we get out and walk around the saints gone before. Dad tells us all about his grandparents, his great-grandparents, neighbors from the community, and stories that I have heard many, many times. Then Dad points to the granite headstone for my own parents, all engraved with the exception of their expiration dates. 
He's proud to share that his plot is right there between his parents and mom's parents. And would Don and I like a plot nearby? We say, "Mm, we'll think about it, Dad. But yes, death is part of life. So maybe that's what Paul was thinking about. He was sitting in prison. He'd been in prison before, but this time he was facing death. Maybe he wanted to pass on what he now could see clearly, the things he couldn't see before. All of his accomplishments, all of the things he was so proud of, weren't that important anymore. You know what I mean. Our education, our awards, our status, and the things we've acquired. We won't be taking them with us in the end. There's something about humility on the journey to the cross. Humility comes from the Latin word humus or earth. The humble person has his or her feet on the ground, on the earth. They're not the center of their own universe. In the season of Lent, we remember that from dust we've come, and to dust we shall return. But somehow, we have found a way to boast even about our own humility. An article in the New York Times observes how humility is not what it used to be. Actually, it may be the opposite of what it used to mean. The author writes, Lately, it's almost mandatory for politicians, athletes, celebrities, and other public figures to be vocally humbled by every honor awarded, prize won, job offered, record broken, pound lost, shout out received, and thumbed up. It's all over social media and on the internet. Yoga practitioners are humbled by achieving difficult poses. Actresses are humbled by the love and support from fans. Even Christmas volunteers are humbled by their own generosity and holiday spirit as they hashtag their humility to advertise their own status, success, generosity, and moral superiority, end quote. The author asks, when did humility get so cocky and vainglorious? (laughs) Friends, we must stay focused on the goal those of us who want what God has in store for us. Paul was simply reminding his friends and us to stick with it, stay on it, and start if you haven't. And if you've strayed, admit it and get back on track. Imitate those you see on the path, those who are heading for the same goal. On our Lenten journey, we remember the importance of relationships, communities, and mutual responsibilities. And while the world is not not always a happy place full of people and institutions, always doing what is right and good, Paul reminds us that we have an alternative citizenship. The citizenship of the children of God is elsewhere. As a church, we are called to live in community. And though we are not perfect, we are struggling and striving to live in the world with God and others. We are engaging faith, growing our relationship with Jesus, and serving as best we know how in the midst of a broken and hurting world. Paul is inviting us to look toward those in your lives and in our communities and to learn from them. 
and in particular, the way they are living out their faith in all the messiness of life. So who are the saints we might imitate? We learn from our teachers, our parents, our spouses, our siblings, our children, our neighbors and friends. And we are all learning from all of their teachers as well. Most of all, unlike the Philippians, we are fortunate to have the Gospels at our fingertips, providing us with instruction about how to live the Christian life. We have all received help to be where we are today and to do what we are doing. I myself have been helped by my mom and dad, my sister Diana, my brother Ed, my husband Don, our children, David, Sarah, and Hannah, my grandma and grandpa White, my grandma and grandpa Howland, aunts and uncles, cousins, Don's family, pastors, teachers, professors, authors, mentors, neighbors, colleagues, patients, and friends, including you, all of you. You and I are on a journey together, working out our faith together, sharing stories together, learning more about God and self together, pressing on toward the goal together, asking questions together, laughing together, crying together, singing together, praying together, serving together, and asking God to help us to stand firm in the Lord together. So who are those saints in your life who have taught you how to live as a follower of Christ in this world? Who are those individuals who are modeling faith for you? Who in your life embodies the love of Christ to those around them? And are we humbly serving as role models for others? I love Paul's letters, and I love them even more during Lent. During the season of Lent, Paul's letter to the Philippians serves as a letter for Lent. Friends, what if we write our own letters for Lent? Not like an epistle or anything, but letters from the heart. Maybe it's a letter of gratitude to someone who has encouraged you to stay on the path to fight for what's right, someone who has been there for you all along. Or perhaps it's a letter of apology, asking for forgiveness. So that's our first letter for Lent, a letter to someone else. The second letter is a letter to God. It's a prayer, of course. Maybe it's our intercessions for God's creation and God's people across the globe. Urgent cries for peace in Ukraine. Comfort for the many people who are grieving. Maybe it's confessing our sins or longing to get back in right relationship with our Lord. Friends, what is on your mind and in your heart? What's included in your letter to God? Maybe we need an attitude adjustment. God, show us how to be humble when we stumble and bumble. And finally, the third letter for Lent is a letter to your future self. 
What are your priorities in life and in death? Are we willing to admit that we are prone to wander, lose our footing, and on occasion take our eyes off the goal? Do we have a tendency to focus on the material comforts of this world? Or do we want to become more and more of the person God dreams us to be, to enjoy the abundant life God has planned for us, not only in the life to come, but right here on earth. Three letters for Lent. One to someone else, one to God, and one to your future self. Paul's letter to the Philippians spurs us on to the finish line and also provides encouragement for the Lenten journey. At the end of the day, Paul is trying to live out the grace and peace of our Lord because of the person and work of Jesus Christ. Friends, that is the good news to all people. For God so loved the world, the sinful world we live in, that God came in the form of a man, even Jesus, to bring eternal life to those who believe in him. He came not to condemn the world, but that the world, the whole world, might be saved through him. Sometimes things come into focus when we contemplate our own mortality. We remember what really matters in life. The promises of God resonate a little more in our souls. As we journey through Lent together, Let's remember Paul's words to his friends and to us. My dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such pride, fill me with such joy. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. Let's pray. O oh Lord our God, as we journey through Lent towards the cross, we remember your journey to the cross, and we are grateful. Thank you for your inexpressible gift to us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. As we grapple with the things of life, we are reminded that you get it. You understand what we are going through. Today, we are grateful for Paul as he urges us to focus on the goal, to think about what's important, to invest in the things that last. Help us to imitate you, Lord, and thank you for the special people you have placed in our lives who have modeled what it means to follow you. And may we serve as models of faithful living for others in and around Fort Lauderdale and beyond. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen.